Hi, I'm Shaylee Shibaxi Ritchie. And I'm her co-host and sister, Kosha Baxi Karstens. Spoiler alert, we are sisters. And best friends. We grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were certainly loved. We had lots of friends, but we never felt like we really fit in. We started to realize that there were a lot of people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was the seed for this podcast. Then, during the 2020 election cycle, we watched now Vice President Kamala Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence. We saw what a badass she was, and we got inspired. We wanted to hear, share, and amplify the voices of everyone who has felt other. We wanted to give everyone a platform, regardless of who they are, who they love, or where they're from, to reclaim their power and their place, to stand up and say, I am speaking. Welcome, welcome to episode three of Shailushi's birthday surprises. Uh, this month has been so fun for me. It's been a little bit disconcerting to Shailushi because she does so much work in prepping and researching and, you know, really prepping for our, our guests. And I think it's been a little disconcerting to her to not know who is going to pop up on the screen um, until, until she uncovers her eyes, but it's been so fun for me. And I hope that our listeners have really enjoyed, um, the birthday series so far. This one is so much fun. It is Shailushi's eighth grade teacher from St. Stephen's school in Streeter, Illinois. You guys have heard us talk about Streeter. We've talked about St. Stephen's. We talked about being, you know, two little brown girls in a Catholic school, not looking like everyone else, not Catholic, but really still feeling loved and warm and embraced. And we had friends, we were included. Bunny Cave, well, her name is Joanna Cave, but she was born on Easter. And so they call her Bunny. And she has been known as Bunny for her entire life. She was Shailushi's eighth grade teacher. I left Streeter. My parents moved out um, before I was able to be in eighth grade, but I did have her for art class and I did have her in academic bowl and math team. And I cannot tell you the influence this woman has had on Shailushi, on myself, on our family. She and her family have been so lovely and loving throughout the years that we've we've known her um, and them. She has been a teacher for almost 50 years and she is an incredible woman. You will hear a lot of laughter. I mean, I apologize now um, that we just tell a lot of stories. There are a lot, there's a lot of nostalgia, a lot of memories that we walk through. But what I really hope you hear out of this episode is the joy, the joy in the nostalgia, the joy in the memories. Mrs. Cave is a wonderful human being and she has been incredibly important to us as individuals and as a family. And just as like I said, two little brown girls trying to make their way in the world. So please enjoy 
the third episode, third installment of Shayla She's month of birthday surprises, Mrs. Joanna Bunny Cave. She is speaking. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another uh, Shilushi's birthday month surprise episode. The, the name of this month has changed so many times. It's like series of birthday surprises or birthday series surprise Shilushi April month or whatever. Like <laughs> I've changed it so many times. Okay. So close your eyes. Okay. Okay. Cover your eyes and okay. don't like it might take a minute to get. Okay. You just birthday. tell me when I okay. can open okay. my eyes. Okay. okay. Good idea. Okay. okay. Ready? Mm. Three, two, one. <laughs> uh, Miss Kim is retired. What do you She's mean? She's not. I thought She's you retired. retired. I thought you retired. Yeah, I did that five years ago. I picked up a job um, through the district because it's not okay it's a title job which means i work with slow readers and reinforced skills and so i am now at our our virtual enemy st michael's which was down the street we've talked about st michael's a couple times on st michael's and we talked about st anthony's that's where i'm at i'm in the building now it's that's the they took all the schools and closed them and they tore st stephen's down and they all put us at michael's which is was st anthony's so i'm down the street Wow. And I am teaching title to students. I get 16 students, but I work from grades uh, K through seventh. Let's talk about who this guest is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Before we jump in. Right. Miss Joanna Cave, or as everybody knows her, is Bunny Cave. She was born yes. on Easter a few years ago, <laughs> and she worked at St. Stephen's School as the eighth grade teacher. So Shayla, she got to be in your class. My dad. And I didn't because we moved right before eighth grade. But Mrs. Cave was the academic bowl, academic team coach. Yeah. So I did get to work with her. Our families were friends. So we got to see each other. We lived pretty close together. And um, she, I will say, has been a huge influence, Shailashi, in both of our lives. Would you? Oh, know? yes, absolutely. Yeah. Your dad coached too. He was academic team too. Yeah. Dad, dad was a coach and we had sweaters. Do you remember he had those sweaters? Oh, yeah. I like this. I wonder what happened to my sweater. We had gold turtlenecks and the blue. And so I looked amazing in that. <laughs> you all did. <laughs> you were reckon, um, a team to be reckoned with because you right. came on looking I was shocked. I was like, how did you get pandemic without teaching kids on Zoom? Did you go in? Public schools have to give the Catholic schools that service. Okay. It's always been that way. And our kids in the old days would go over to Oakland Park. And so uh, this was something I was fell into. I love it. But I didn't have to go in because I'm just a special, I was special. Um, that's the first thing to cut. But when I did go back and we sort of opened, 
Uh, we just put masks on and luckily I stay healthy and I didn't That's take awesome. anything home. We all, we've knocked on wood, I'm afraid to say it. None of us in our family have had this COVID. We've been, yes, especially waiting for a kidney for George. It was like, okay, I, when I teach, it's really hard because I, I'm working with like little, little, a little Spanish kid and he's trying to learn sounds and I'm trying to do it with the mask on. I said, no, buddy, we're just going to do this for you. And that he could hear it because that's the whole reason he's in there. You know, how do you do phonics? How do you do the sounds with the poor little guy? See, I was really lucky. Did not catch anything. I'm praying it stays that way. That's awesome. Yes. Ooh, so I want to backtrack a little bit because I did hear and I'm not sure if I heard through you or if I heard through mom, because I know that you and mom still talk, that the diocese closed all of the Catholic schools in Streeter, at least. Did the diocese do that further out than Streeter? Like, was it all the surrounding communities as well? Well, pretty much. We are getting to be, okay, I said, actually, Streeter's about 75 to 80% poverty now. We are now really low, low income. So a lot of people couldn't pay. So they consolidated ours down. And yeah, they've been cutting back a lot. The churches, they closed St. Mary's, they closed St. Cashmere's. Our church, St. Stephen's, stayed open. That's the biggest one. But the St. Anthony's school, is our church is closed. So the students, uh, it was kind of a strange deal. They should have kept, in my opinion, St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's church. So the kids could have a church like we went to. Now they don't have that church down the street. They did have it open before the pandemic once a week for the kids to go in for the mass. So we have two uh, empty churches now. So yeah, pretty much the diocese is called it the way it is. It's just not there. You know, there's a lot of poverty. That, I mean, that made me really sad to hear that. Um, is it because people are leaving that area? Like Streeter is losing population? Like what's... It, yeah, it is. So it's like, okay, the population, the big factories now, okay, Owens, Illinois was top, was the top um, employer in Streeter. Well, everybody's in plastic now. So that's down. And also, you know, the machines come in. So that's all progress. So those people, those jobs are gone. I think St. Mary's Hospital is not a hospital anymore. It's a beautiful building. You can go in there for blood work and all your doctor's offices, but there's nobody employed on, I think maybe three floors. Yeah, they pulled the hospital out. That's not an active hospital anymore. We had to go like with George, we can get some of his testing done, his blood work in that in Streeter, but we, we, you know, we went to Peoria for all of his stuff. But yeah, it's very nice. And they made it into a beautiful three story. It's still the same six stories, but I don't think anybody's upstairs. So that was a big employer in Streeter. So those people are the biggest one I think we have right now is Vactor, which is where uh, Danny works as an engineer. They make those huge machines that go around in there. They suck out the sewers. Um, this is fascinating. And they're all over the world. That's our biggest employer. So when you don't have kids, like I always said, we just don't have, we don't have doctors. I think we only have Mark Warville. I think there's one guy left up there that aren't um, nurse practitioners. And his children, he moved to Bloomington and his children aren't even in the schools. You know, we love those doctors. kids. They were on those teams, man. Those were great kids. <laughs> Well, it's, it's such a ripple effect too, right? That like, you know, my parents spent money in Streeter. So they earned money in Streeter and they spent money in Streeter um, and they employed people who lived there. You know, we had, my dad had at least one nurse and uh, a secretary. And so those people were earning, you know, those wages. And it's sad. And I mean, and there's like, there's just not the money that, you know, we still have all the, the, the fundraisers and stuff. Not like we used to do at St. Stephen's, but the population's not there. You know, even in my public school, the parents club, it's like faded out a little bit. 
Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's it's went down. I think we're thir maybe thirteen thousand people from what we were about twenty thousand people. Yeah, but now I think we're down to about thirteen, and you know, it's yeah, it's made a big impact. I have so many great memories of, of St. Stephen's. I mean, I know I started in third grade, um, but I was telling someone the other day about those links that we did where we were like competing. 25 cents a link. And uh, it was so funny because Monsignor Bolorowski was a, you know, he was for his, his boys and he got into a war with, with Patty Messino and she was going for the girls. And we made like a thousand dollars. They'd sit there and write you know, here would be um, Patty would put in a hundred bucks and Monsignor would stand at the, he stood at the door at the office and was writing another check to compensate it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And he wasn't going to give in and either was Patty. I think Monsignor won the last one. That Peter, right? Uh, Monsignor Peter Bolarowski. Right. So he was, he was father Peter when we were there. I just remember those, like, was, that was around... Easter, right? That was before Easter. No, Valentine's Day because Valentine's we, Day. Valentine's Day because we gave the money to the missions. And they were pink and and they were pink and red. Wait, finally you were cutting up anything that had <laughs> it was pretty bad. And part of it was like it was this competition between classrooms. Oh, yeah. So it was like seventh grade gonna get it or eighth grade or sixth grade. And it was really just sixth, seventh, eighth. Yeah, because like, the, like our, the third grade, the third graders are like, what about us? And they're like, we don't care. We had like a carnival for them, you know. Yes, yeah. First grade teacher, she sister Magdalene would put a movie on. And then the kids would bring their pennies and she'd take the hands and they had to throw everything they had left in the pot. You know, she didn't count it. Sister but she Rhea did that. Sister Rhea did that in third grade for us. I was terrified because she would go around. She goes, you brought this money to spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to put it in the pot before you could watch some old um, movie from the district that had to be on a big projector <laughs> that was Bozo went to town or something. It was really yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I also remember being like staffing that carnival, the eighth graders would staff that carnival. Remember, I think we had, did we have the flowers with that in that time? Cause I used to sell carnations after. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. yeah. And then the girls would see who'd get the most, you know, but it was, yeah, that was two Bodsniks because that was the kid who went to school with me. So he gave me a deal on it. So we'd go buy him <laughs> 50 cents, sell him for a buck, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, right. It, right. Well, it's all fundraising. So well, and that's a good thing about being in a tiny town is you're like, I know a guy, right? Oh, like, yeah. Right, yeah. Or he's got his pluses and it's negatives, you know, but yeah, that was a plus. How long had you been teaching at St. Stephen's? I have it all written down. <laughs> She's prepared. I've been talking to Mrs. K for a month and yes. she, she has notes. She was prepared. She's like, okay, you told me this on March 17th. So this, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Well, it's funny because I'm sitting here and I've never done this before. And I said, I wanted to do it. It was just, I am not a tech and I didn't think this would work, but B told me, you remember B? Yes, number two, of course. Oh, it'll work now as long as you got a camera. We worked for an hour on this last night trying to get us. All right, can I, I get, can I just be, let, let's go through your kids. Cause I know we're going to talk about them. So right. jo, Joey's the oldest. Um, to me, he's like 13 in perpetuity because that's who he was when I <laughs> yeah. was 17, when I was in seventh grade, but he is a few years older than me. He's younger than Shayla Sheet though, right? Three, 44, 43 and 36. Okay. So then, and then you have George who is actually goes by B. Yeah. yeah. 
B-E-E, like the- Well, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do with that name because everybody just called him that for his first year. And then he kept getting those doll magazines to B-E-A for Beatrice. <laughs> 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 well, you know, stuff comes in and it's Beatrice came and I go, I'm sorry, <laughs> we didn't know what to do with it. And but never- now I can't, I can't. If you call him, if you say George Cave, you're talking about your husband. You're not talking about your son. And then you have twin, twin boys who are as old as our little sister. They were in the same grade. Daniel and Dennis. So Danny and Denny, which I do remember you saying that you didn't want them to have similar names. You didn't name them rhyming things. And now they're Danny and Denny. And the only thing I'm going to say about this is my mom still to this day cannot tell the difference because of her accent and just how she says things. She cannot say the difference between Danny and Denny. Well, I don't either. When I'd yell at him, it was like, Danny, <laughs> I mean, they'll come out, Danny, Danny, you know, the two together. But I originally wanted to name, if I had the twins, um, him David, but then he'd have been Dave Cave and I just couldn't <laughs> do it. Although it would have been interesting because it would fit his personality. See, I did Danny's the name I wanted. For the first, okay, Joe came because of my dad and George's dad died. He was Emmett Joseph. I said, let's go with Joseph. And my dad was real proud because I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be called Joe for short. And then my brother was supposed to be Dennis Joseph. My mother changed it. So I got a Joseph. Okay. So then when it came along with B, I said, well, if you want to, I said, if you have another boy, I will name him after you. And then I did, I was upset because I don't like the name George, but you know, <laughs> I had to go with it. Already committed to it. I mean, okay, I had to. And then I had Dennis and I said, I'm going to get a Daniel. That was my first choice. So let's go back to that question then. So when did you start teaching at St. Stephen's? St. Stephen's in 1975, right out of college. All right. There were five of us that came back to Streeter for teaching jobs. And I already had the job because I don't know if you remember Sister Thea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sister Thea taught me and I had that job. So I taught you. Yeah, yeah. She taught me in eighth. Yeah, she taught. She started when I was in second grade, and in those days, the mother they couldn't stay there. She's considered mother superior of the convent, you know, head honcho, and she couldn't stay more than six years. So they took her out when I hit seventh grade. She had to go to another parish. Well, then this other sister they brought back didn't work, and they went and brought her back. So I actually missed her in my eighth grade year, but I had her all through school. So Sister Thea was my my start. So yeah. under her. I was there. Um, I mean, for we were there from 1975. I walked right out of what, you know, getting married right into work. And then I stayed there. They closed in 2006. I was lucky enough. That was 31 years of teaching. I started in third grade. Then I went, bumped up to fourth. And then I came back after having Joe and they stuck me in seventh grade with the same class, which I said, well, that's okay, weird. that was cool though, because I already knew the army ones, the smart ones. <laughs> True. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so I went back in seventh grade for a couple of years, and then I got moved up to eighth grade. And I couldn't, the only reason I didn't go sooner was the class I had in eighth grade, if I would have went up, I would have had them four times. Oh. I had them third grade, fourth grade, seventh grade, and I said, sister, I, I mean, they're sick of me. I'm probably, this is not a good match. And she left me there another year, and then I went down to eighth grade, and I stayed there for 25 years. Yeah. Then they closed, and then I went to uh, one year out at Lawston. I got a job. You took anything when you're 51 and you don't have a job anymore. So I took the first job that, well, actually, I didn't have a whole lot of offers. And then at the following year, I got on at um, the, the public system, which uh, was right. It's kind of school. It's down by Ingle Lane Theater. So oh, I don't have to drive yeah. far, straight to, you know, it's a five, 10 minutes to work every day. 
And I stayed there for what I figure out a lot, 12, 13 years. I retired and it didn't last. They were going to move me. They started, okay, Streeter is so different now. They took all of the schools, the public schools, and made them into attendance centers, which is like, I think, you know, pretty tough because you put all your, I'm in a school now, pre-K, K first. Then the second, third, and fourth go to Centennial. And then five, six, seven, and eighth go to Northline. So they made centers. So the last year that um, we were going to be there, the head of the school's decide, superintendent decided that I was the one to be chosen from Kimes to go to Northline because I had all that experience. And I said, well, I'm telling you, why would you take somebody that's retiring in a year and putting her in a new situation, give a new teacher that position so she can develop a program? And then it turns out after they did all this work, they didn't have enough kids for the class they wanted me for, and they bumped me back to fourth. And I went back for another year. I finished the year mm-hmm. out at Kimes in fourth grade, and then I stopped. Well, then they bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. And pretty soon, I don't know. I'm not a preschool teacher. I was not very comfortable with kindergarten. I don't know all that stuff. I do now. Yeah. I'm very good at it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, but it took me. I was paranoid. And the one principal said, just let the, let the aides do it. And I go, okay, I'll right. just because but then I started picking up skills it's so interesting that you taught you actually started in like younger grades because in my head you were eighth grade teacher right and of course I have a very small you know I'm out of I mean you've been teaching now what 48 years Um, 48 this will be my 48 starting actually 47 you finished yeah so I I knew you for seven years at St. Stephen's or eight years and I'm like well she's an eighth grade teacher but clearly I mean you did eighth grade for most of that time. What did you like about teaching eighth grade? Okay. When you start out in primary and I started out in third grade and that was, you know, I was scared of the big kids. I, I mean, just basically that was what I always wanted to do a third grade teacher. And you did so much work. You had to prepare, you had to cut papers, you had to do all that. And when you get to eighth grade, you just say, I'll finish it tomorrow for homework. So I will go on page. So you didn't have to do all that. <laughs> yeah. Work, but I was like, you didn't work, but you didn't have to do all that prep that you had to do the physical work work of like all right now we're gonna set things up and cut the paper and make sure you lay everything out for everyone and but it was so much fun with the bigger kids because you can actually they're adults you can I mean I remember cutting those frogs up and it was just so cool you tell them to tear the stomachs apart and find the bugs in it that's cool I can still see um you know the kids well I got a big bug you know the girls all screaming but the girls would get right in over the guys and tear them babies apart but they're real. They're like, they're like adults that you're dealing with, you know? How about that? How about the hormones though? Like, oh yeah. Oh my God. So much melodrama. Thick layer of teenage hormones in the classroom. Also, I don't, do you remember Alan Fulkerson? I was just going to say, <laughs> of course she remembers Alan. Everyone in the whole down. school remembers Alan right Fulkerson. Here. You can see Alan. Just it there. is totally on that sheet. And also I bet you Alan remembers Alan Fogerson and he's in therapy <laughs> because of it. <laughs> God, I hope not. Everyone who from sixth grade on remembers Alan Fogerson because I had the biggest, biggest crush. crush on him. Guess he's going to be on the podcast next week. So she- I'm just kidding. It <laughs> would be hilarious. The first time you showed me a picture when you came, when you were an MSON, you showed me a picture. You went to prom or homecoming. And I said, she's over here. Finally. <laughs> Alan was so quiet and so shy. Did you even talk to Alan Fulkerson ever? Yeah, I mean, okay. I did. Okay. okay. But I think he was overwhelmed by my clear, like, heart <laughs> shooting out of my eyes thing. 
Oh, the fact that you could compete with him on an intellectual. There were four of us. There were four of us who were like competitive. Yeah. Me, Alan, Jim Harkar, and Mary Kay Klotchko. The people listening to this podcast are like, they're sitting in a room with us just drinking coffee. Because that's what (laughs) we're just like, we're like, how about this person? How about this person? Is Sister Magdalene still with us? I didn't think that she was, but when did she pass? (laughs) You know what? I wouldn't put it past her because she was a badass, but (laughs) when you're a sister, you uh, belong to an order and the order takes care of you. So when she hit that point, uh, when we closed in six, she went back to Juliet to her order. Then you live and then she would go out into the nurses. I think she went into nursing and while she was physically able, uh, she took care of the other sisters who were not healthy. And then, okay, I think she eventually had cancer and died probably maybe by 10 or 11. And with Sister oh. Rosemary, nobody ever heard what happened to her. I don't know if you knew her. She was a second grade. But uh, so I had Miss Cassidy as a second grader. She came in in third grade. But I had Miss Cassidy. And then, uh, but Spruha had Sister Rosemary Smith. And my mom always said Sister Mo- Rosemary Smith. She would say the whole name all the time. <laughs> That was probably cool because they never got to use their real names when they went into the order. You now I said it's some, some some saint that nobody could pronounce, like Salvation or something. Can you confirm something? Do you remember Miss Cassidy? Oh yeah. Okay. Mary. Was she a consecrated woman? What does that mean? So it's like a step be- before being a nun. Oh, like a pre-nun? No. She was that far but she did go to she did go to joliet we were so confused because she would wear almost the same it was like a habit but she she wore a navy skirt every single day and very she was very plain like she wore very plain you know clothes but she didn't wear a habit like all of the other nuns at saint stephen so i was so confused you would tell us about when she was in college she's kind of wild oh was she oh that's that makes me happy I think her style of dressing is super awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna I like it's been it's been two years since I've had to be in an office and there's po- possibility of me having to go back into an office. I'm I'm like, let me adopt a uniform because I do not want to spend any time thinking about what to put on. She had super comfortable shoes. I remember like when you're five or seven or 12 you're like oh my god change your shoes those are ugly and now I'm like but were they comfortable (laughs) so back to me and Alan (laughs) (laughs) no and that too like that was always I remember that being like a real competition between the four of us who was going to get the highest grade who was going to get the best score like who's going to be that center captain for the academic bowl. It was not Alan because Alan didn't want to have that much pressure on him. You had to have someone though that would make that, had the, the, the strength or the, you know, to be able to say, okay, we'll go with this. And I'll never forget Joey. My, my kids aren't wonderful spellers. He left now. They took it off. They get it from George. <laughs> but, um, okay. but anyway, George. <laughs> yeah, not me. I mean, so the word came up cemetery Alan Scalette, and Joe was captain that time. And it was um, Sarah's to Nikki and she was sworn had an A in it. And I go, oh no, no, Joey, not Joey. Because he had to make the final call and, and he went with the E and that sticks in my mind every time I see the word cemetery. That- but I have to tell this story because Shayla, she was in eighth grade and we had one academic bowl tournament at St. Stephen's. And I was like, in third grade or whatever. And I was like, or fourth grade, I'm like ready to be an academic bowl. And Shilshi 
it was it was the final question. St. Stephen's was I winning. We were gonna we were gonna win. And the question was about Isis. Like the answer was Isis. The, oh, I was so mad about that. The one. the Egyptian goddess. So Shilushi knew it and she buzzed in and then she goes, eh, eh, eh. And then you only have 10 seconds to answer it. And then it buzzed. The other team didn't know the answer. And Shilushi had her glasses on. And I remember he, they said, uh, the answer is Isis. St. Stephen still won. And Shilushi like threw her glasses down, <laughs> threw her head onto the table. Like, I It's so frustrating. It. For those of you listeners who don't know what, how it works, you have a toss. There are two teams. They're buzzers. You have a toss-up question. The first team to answer that toss-up question correctly gets a bonus question. And then that bonus question usually has multiple parts to it. Five parts. It's not, was it, wasn't always five. Well, it could be five four. You got 20 points if you got it right. But, but during the, that bonus section, the team got to confirm. Yes. And then the team gets to talk and they get to come up with their X number of answers, right? Whatever answers they can come up. And so one of the questions I remember, which was wrong, the answer was wrong, is that um, what name five of the major world major religions and Hinduism was not on that list. And I like kind of threw a fit about that because that's clearly not true. That was the one thing I remember. Um, and the second thing I remember, and this was kind of a cheat, a little bit of a teeny bit of a cheat because what you were supposed to do, right? Or the, the moderator, the person who's reading the questions, as soon as someone buzzes in, they're supposed to stop talking, right? But I remember the question was, the answer was wait. Um, and it was basically, it's like, what is the property of, a, of an object? And I was, I, I was gonna buzz in and I was gonna say mass. And the person said, uh, and then said something about gravity. And then I was like, no, it's wait. But the person kept talking when they shouldn't have talked. And that's, and that was like, the pivotal question because that question allowed us to get the bonus question and that's how we won that match but see i think it's like i think it's in like hockey or or soccer where the the referees are part of the game so it's like you <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that's not your fault oh no 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 you take every advantage you yeah. can get and i just like i could have answered right away but i just took a breath and that person all just, right. just kept talking. They gave two more words and it was all I needed. Shulshi, who was the guy who went to IMSA with you? Jeff? Jeff Grissenthwaite. Yeah, okay. So Mark Grissenthwaite was, they went to Northlawn. Mark Grissenthwaite, I'm calling you out, dude, on this podcast because <laughs> we, were, we were going head to head and he and I had a, a competition, right? Me and Mark were like, no, my team's going to win this one. The question was, who wrote Stairway to Heaven? He buzzed in, did not know the answer, but wanted to buzz before we did, and said, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't think and that we didn't, like, that moderator had no chance to, like, bring <laughs> back that room. But he gave it the old college try. The best one I remember was with your dad. We were going to Olympia. I don't know, your dad, you would have had been on the team, one of you, because we went to Olympia and we had to beg the district to let us Catholics on for free because we said, why should we take 
a bus and follow you with the gas prices. So they they said, you know, that makes sense. Maybe we should let the cap, you know, the, the St. Stephen's on. So we were all in this let bus. the cap Yeah, because <laughs> you know we were in public school. We, you know, that was a big deal. You get there, we're in a match, and they had to have kids. They always let the high school kids come back, you know, and read the questions. So the girl phoned us, and she's reading through it, and our kids said, "Penny." And the paper says, and the rules are, you know, you have to take what's on the paper within reason. And her dad goes, stop, stop, stop. I disagree. I very, very much disagree. She wouldn't take Penny. The answer was sent. And the girl just got so scared because she. Yeah. And this tiny little like Indian man is screaming at her. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, so funny. He goes, Calm down. It's in the room. Okay. We'll get, you know, stop, stop, stop. I'm not letting it go either. I wonder where we got it from, Tulsa. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we know where you got it, but he was so cute. You know, he goes, stop, stop, I stop, I disagree. I think you're supposed to make that poor lady. And she was so sweet for me because she's Slovak, which was St. Stephen's. And I took her out. She, I knew she liked those nut rolls they used to make in the cafeteria. Remember, they'd have the whole cafeteria full of that for the bake sales. And so we got, we gave her a prize. I mean, we kind of compensated for it. <laughs> gave her a nut roll. Speaking of the cafeteria, you know what I really miss? And I still have not figured, like, there's not a good place around here to do it. Those fish fries. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Fresh fish. Fresh. Oh, God. Fish fries was for Lent and the chicken was in spring. And we decorated balls and all that. Fish fries for Lent. So good. And like, I would work and then you would get dinner if you worked. Mm-hmm. You always ate. They I still liked- have not, fa- like, that's my big dream one day. One year around Lent, I'm going to organize myself to go to a Catholic school, like Catholic fish fry. Something, yeah. Don't they do them in Wisconsin a lot? Yeah, but you know, my my husband's family is from like way up in the in the Northwoods, in, from Eau Claire. And he's like, yeah, we used to do them all the time. And I was like, we're not driving six hours to go to a fish fry. <laughs> I'll, I'll cook fish for you. Come to Streeter. I'll fire it up for you. The guys would cook and they'd all be out in the either basement or out in the garage pretty well bomb by the end of it <gasps> they were oh they were yeah they know somebody who's it's walking Catholic around. school it's I yeah, of course they are <laughs> yeah it was hey they had beer made out of holy water they boiled the hell out of it I mean it was okay right it was it was cleared they made beer out of holy water I cannot believe I didn't I like need to go back and be like now as an adult I want to know what went down oh those were fun days. we had good times in fact one day I made him, um, he left his truck and um, this other lady quite did it. They were doing this, I will mention her name. They were doing the shots and the tequila and she drove home. I go, oh my God, oh, that was a bad one. Yeah, yeah, they had a good time though. We had Jim Dandy Day, remember that? I remember Jim Dandy Day, yes. I have pictures of you guys upstairs. I should dig them out for you because I have all- telling, Yeah, please. And I'm telling you, Sister Rhea would not let you leave school with any money that you came no. with. <laughs> I could put myself back in that building, walking in, you know, being intimidated by the older kids. And I think it's, and it's for me, like talking to you makes it particularly nostalgic and a little bittersweet for me because my older kid is graduating eighth grade in a couple. Months. Oh, you're not, you're not. So I have a kid going into six and a kid going into high school. Oh my gosh. And that the- is I can put myself right back into eighth grade and thinking about going to IMSA and working on that typewriter in the library. 
you know, they were so proud of you that Monsignor Desirio, my, I took my dad that day because I had no idea where I was driving. We went up to that little ceremony and Monsignor was going to go with us, but he got sick. He thought so much of you guys. I'm serious. I'll never forget. I go, oh God, I got to listen to the sermon all the way up there. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you just sat, he talked. That was something. It that was. was it yeah. was. I was really glad that you're able to come up for Teacher Appreciation Day that that first. Oh, year. my gosh. My kids were so funny because my Joe wouldn't go to even he. Well, he he cried every week, every week at Bradley. He wanted to come home every single. He'd cry on the way up on Sunday. And by Friday, he was home. I don't care what it was. And I know I knew when your day I go, he's never going to make it there. But I laugh because Denny and Danny get out of the car. And Denny, he goes, Mom. Where are all these brown kids? <laughs> I said, guess because they're very smart. How come we can't get one of you in here? But we never, we never could. Yeah, it was just so fun. Well, IMS is not for everyone. That's for sure. I think it was. It takes you too early. You know, I, I was also, I'd said to Kosha and I've said to my parents, I said, it wasn't just the education stuff. It was also like, it saved my relationship with my parents. I could not have lived at home. <laughs> I was too headstrong. I just like, I was always me, always very like, no, I actually know what I'm doing, even though I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily know what I was doing. But I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I want to figure out what to do myself. And my parents being immigrants were very, and me being a girl, were very protective. Yeah. But you, but that's always been your personality strong and forceful, and you knew what you wanted. And I always knew you'd go far, all of you guys. But I mean, you were one that was woman when we didn't have those kind of thoughts, you know? You can't have that job. No, not so. She, she'll get it if she wants it. <laughs> yeah, not that was basically it. Like, what? Don't tell me what to do. It was very, don't tell me what to do. That's been my whole, like, back of my head. Don't tell me what to do. And if you tell me what not to do it, I'm going to go and do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to spite you. But see, that's what was so cool about him. So my Joe, he, you know, he was fine once Misty got there, and then I never saw him again. It was always like, <laughs> Every weekend he came home and I go, oh, Joey. And every, he cried every Sunday night. I'm sure he's really going to love you telling this story. (laughs) (laughs) Joey even spent an extra year at Bradley uh, doing an internship. You would go in, you'd go in for a semester, then go into a job for somewhere. And then that, that, that made him so that he and Misty graduated in the same uh, year. She's, she's B's age. I'll admit one thing. I had the hugest crush on B when uh, I was in seventh grade and he was in eighth grade. To tell him what he's all the kids were, all those boys were super cute. Oh my God. They were all adorable. But like Joe was always like older one. He had, he was like cool and older and then he cool. was gone. But like B and I, we were on, we were on like math team together and academic team. And, um, and then we would come over to your house to do like art projects and stuff. And I was so, but like, <laughs> But I was just this weird Indian girl, like in the court, like he was way too, I, it, he was way out of my league. But I had the biggest crush on him. B, uh, I had a big crush on you if you're listening to this. He probably will listen to it. His oldest is in eighth grade, same as yours. That's so awesome. Do you still have the kiln or did you get rid of that? Oh yeah. Let's see. The other thing was the place I used to get all my ceramics from um, folded up. He would bring me the greenware and at, at cost, which is like nothing. And what if you fire it, it doubles. And then when I got into the public school, I couldn't keep affording to buy this for these because you can't expect them. They couldn't. That place folded in Creve Court. And then I went to Juliet Ceramics and he had to have it fired first. That doubled oh, the price. So 50 oh. cents was a dollar or a dollar or something. But he also paid his people to uh, clean it and fire it first time. But the other guy took a chance with, with you guys. It might come in one piece and it might get broken if I don't get it in kiln in time. 
I remember when you got that. We had a little one that we picked up from a friend and it was so bad. I didn't know it was supposed to be that bad. You could see through it when it fired up, they like the walls. So then we, my neighbor and I, the lady that used to come with me and help out, she had long black hair. She used to make all the little Easter baskets by hand for the kids because you eighth graders would hide them and she would sit and crochet them, but it was something with yarn in and out of plastic. She used to make little baskets, remember that? And she would come there and enjoy you kids. We used to hide them in this priest's yard, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Little you guys would hide them in the first grade would go and find them. We still bang the bunny on the window. That's up. Yes. Scared the shit out of the five or six year old. Miss <laughs> Schaefer would always pretend like she didn't see or hear the bunny. So we're all screaming at her saying there is a huge seven foot bunny. How are your teacher? You're supposed to save us from this. <laughs> oh yeah. But that rabbit's still upstairs. <laughs> and I was ready to burn it. And it's made out of straw. It was a gift given to me as a kid. And they said, how can you do this? I don't, so I'm going to burn it when I die. I don't know why I didn't just get rid of it. You know, it's sitting up there. It's, it's going to get be burned in that kiln. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're you're going to be the first person cremated in a kiln, in a, in, a, in a ceramics kiln. That's awesome. I have such great memories of like those last couple of years at St. Stephen's. Yeah, we had fun. We did. Something that I feel maybe we just had such a small worldview back then, but like your art projects mm-hmm. were so special. I remember, you know, hanging up all of those art projects outside of the, the eighth grade classroom. And like you did a lot of pastels, right? Well, Sister Thea was a big one. She, t- I mean, I never knew, I knew I could draw, but I didn't draw very well. And she got me where I had to, I had to set off. I mean, in college, we'd make stuff and I would draw leprechauns and stuff for decorating the dorms. But she taught me how to do the pastels with the rag. And then you blended all those colors in. And it was always the Indian. One of the moms that were real, a U of I fan, she, she has every one of her kids and she had them mounted because each kid did a different. I took my that talent, the one we did, to my grade school and I dummied it down and I would, you could make a, um, you could do a, the little guy, the elf guy with the hat on with the, you know, the, the acorn hat. And I could make that into Santa Claus. I could make it into a leprechaun and they were fourth grade. And I said, we're going to do this for him. And granted I'd walk around and make the circle big enough. So we didn't have these little bitty dudes. <laughs> she was real big on it. She gave me books and books of, um, and then the nuns themselves, one of the orders made books for teaching. Oh. Um, they were a hand sketch. Like you had, a, you had the holy ones where you did the statues or the pictures for Lynn or whatever with all that. Then you had, I think we did a picture of Christ too in, in charcoals one year, the, the silhouette. I did not do that. I didn't do that. Okay. Well, that one came maybe later. And that when... well, I'm glad I didn't do that because if you remember, art was never my strong suit. You would have done an awesome Christ stick figure. I, I swear to God, everyone would have been like, oh my God, blasphemy. This would have been awful. Yeah, I'm going to burn for that one. No, we, but yeah, we did. <laughs> see, aren't you glad I didn't do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, then they bought me, supplies were always an issue. So then they gave me some money and I could do the different shades of chalk pencils. I mean, you have the, have the dark light, like, like a lead pencil, you had that. So I went ahead, supplies, I could take it a step further. But then we'd spray mm-hmm. them and we'd hang all that. We always decorated everything. You had art from every grade on up. Didn't I make you guys do that? Didn't I make you do the paper punch ones where it took forever? You had yes. in your You had sixth and seventh graders do that too. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And they came out gorgeous though. Some kids did, didn't do so hot, but the other ones would actually take a bird and make layers out of the paper punches. I mean, they, it fascinated me and it took you forever. I'll say, I know like I wasn't in eighth grade with you, but you did because Mr. Baldwin like didn't love art. 
So he would just like ask you to come, like, can you just do art with them? And so I had like the Mrs. Cave art experience in sixth grade. He did my PE, I did his art. We flipped it, yeah. So I go, you take him outside in the middle of the winter and he loved sports. He loved his golf, he loved his So that worked out for me. And when I went to Times in street with my teaching partner was a guy, I did the same thing. I said, I'll do your art and I'll do your music and you do my technology. Not a big fan of art ever, never, never. I just couldn't, some of the art I could do, like, cause it was like the not drawing art was, I could do that stuff, but I can never draw, still cannot draw. Well, you know, I feel bad for the big families. Like it comes to mind this to Nikki, the poor lady had like four or five kids and every year the new project went home with ceramics. And I go, this is pretty hard finding something new every year that you don't have two of already. And so she tried to sell it a rummage sale and she couldn't do it because it was, I always want your names on the bottom, you know? You have to have names on the bottom. Otherwise you're taking 30, 40 of those things home. And let's be clear, some of them looked better than others. <laughs> but what I used to do though, was try to stay with a project that was a glaze project. So you couldn't yeah. screw it. I had to just stuck it on there and you, and you were done. I know my mom still has hearts, those hearts. She still has, uh, you had us in sixth or seventh grade do a heart, like a jewelry box for Mother's Day, the snowman. Well, she still has the, the Christmas tree with the lights. And the little graduate that my favorite, I, it was so detailed because she always had darker skin and you went through and like the graduate was holding books and you're like, put the graduate's favorite, favorite subject. And I did it to match the book. Oh, it was so, I did so thoughtful. Yeah. I, I did your eye color. Did your hair color. So I had to buy a special paint for you brown people. Remember you keep, I'm um, yes. <laughs> and there weren't that many of us. <laughs> well, we put it, we used it for hair on other children. Oh, I guess fair. <laughs> fair enough. Yes, yes, yes. I Absolutely. Hair, we were okay with you there. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's fine. Like brown skin. Oh, other people have brown hair. Oh my God. Yeah, brown. We, you know, we tried to match red. The redheads were hard too, because you didn't want red. <laughs> you didn't want actual red as I've gotten older well many of the things as I've gotten older it's like understanding just how hard it is in a classroom right like when you're a kid you're like teachers to teach what they have all the an- they have all the answers but you know you get older and you see like so much of it is like a it's very rarely about the answers right it's how you got there it's so much about everything else like meeting students needs and making sure people are focused and blah, 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 blah. Also under like, as I've, again, as I've gotten older, like, oh, teachers don't just get all these supplies. Like they have to go and like buy stuff from their own money. If they want to do something special. Yep. Always. Cause when you're a kid, you're like, oh, it's school. Oh my gosh. What I could have done with dollar stores, you know, you could get stickers. You bought all that yourself. You're right. But one thing about you, I used to laugh because you'd come up, you're always first done. And you'd say, how did you get this? And I'd look at the answers. That's not right. You go back and figure it out. And you go back. And I didn't know how to do it either. That I can still remember <laughs> <laughs> she comes up with because if she gets that answer, we got this made. And I, you didn't know that, but it would be like, you'd be so far ahead. And I, and I wish that when you were there, we figured it out. We had a really cool program at St. Stephen's. We had a man who came all the way from near Bloomington to St. Stephen's as a retired guy and just taught algebra. Jump, you know, jumpstart. We did it. And I can still remember, we wish we had that kind of stuff because you were at this level with a couple of kids. And then I had this level that was your target. And then you had the ones you worry about that you still knew, you know, you had to work harder with. 
I was thinking about that too. And just again, again, it's just sort of like the awareness that comes as you get older and you understand like not everyone's in the same place, right? So it's 30 of us in one classroom spanning, you know, everything from people who probably had learning disabilities. We didn't realize they weren't labeled back in those days mm-hmm. because we didn't know. Do you know my, my number four son was ADHD? Denny? Oh, I, didn't know. I didn't either. I did. You know who found it? Bradley University, like $45,000 later when he couldn't. I'm serious. We, he came home Christmas crying at the, in the office. Says, What's the matter, Denny? He said, I can't do it anymore, Mom. Now, he was straight A's. You don't pick a kid with straight A's, but it was the attention span. So you kids didn't, we didn't have that back then. And then you've got autism in there. You've got, um, you know, you've got kids that you have in those classrooms with special needs because we don't have enough room for them to be able to, and not at least in a small town like mine, you as a parent now can see that. But when you're doing this, it was like you, I, I would work at stuff. So after Denny was um, diagnosed in uh, 2000 and maybe three, when he was at Bradley, caught it, Bradley University. He's either every teacher's nightmare because he's a character because he would play it that way to cover it. He also had a twin brother that covered it. They took the DF slips out of my, out of my um, mailbox because they got home before I did. Takes his ACT. Gets in with Danny, exactly the same scores. And they got into Bradley, which is, and I go, so there's all those hidden things that you, you didn't know. I, I felt that's why I took every class I could find in colleges like IBCC and that about what autism is, what ADHD is. And now I know, and now you can pick, I can walk in the door and I'd say to the kid, did you have your meds yet? <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff, right? Learning, just dis- any kind of learning disability, some kids probably came to school hungry. Oh yes. Yeah. Or, or like they were, they were, I remember there was one guy in our school, which who lived with in my class who lived with his grandfather. Like you just don't think about it when you're in eighth grade. But like, as I got older, I was like, what kind of chaos is happening there? Like that's heartbreaking for me. And like, also thinking about the fact that we didn't know as much about bullying. No, as no, you didn't have that. You see- and so it was just like, oh, you're making fun of this guy today and you're making fun of that guy. And kind of everyone got made fun of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was not meant to be harmful, I don't think. I don't remember anybody really, be, you had them occasionally, you know, you had to deal with, but you didn't have some of the stuff. You just thought they blew it off. They didn't, it didn't bother them as much. Now it's a big deal. I'm in the city now, in the school, public schools, it's really cold. They give them fruit on Tuesdays that are like off the wall. They had pink pineapple the other day. They want them to taste these little, little samples. They come in a plastic bag and then they have vegetables on Thursday. I once had a little girl who was, and I, I mean, I, I know this stuff. You, you always give them all the extras and stuff, but she would love, she would go around. If you don't eat it, you don't have to keep it. You can put it back and share it with your friend. She was filling herself up with radishes. How many kids eat radishes? That's all hunger. You don't realize. So now they have breakfast. Everybody gets fed breakfast in our district so that they can start their day. And if they don't want it, they put it on a tray and the other kid who's maybe needs two bowls of cereal goes up and gets it. That's the stuff we didn't have knowledge of back in your day. But the world was different, you know. Now I got grandparents raising children more than parents. Well, it's just, you're right. It was a totally different environment, totally different time, environment, uh, different understanding. There were kids who were probably getting themselves up for school and get, getting themselves home and making dinner. And, you know, who knows? Like, it, maybe then they saw their parents on weekends, right? And you also know? Being, being in a farm town, like up at, you know, at dawn, working, coming to school. Because I don't remember being like jealous, quote unquote, when 
there was a snow day and like a bunch of these farm kids had to go home even earlier than like right. the end of school. But that's because they're actually working on the farm. They're not going and having like <laughs> cocoa. I, now you look back and you're like, ooh, I was in a tiny world, you know, like your worldview is so tiny. I remember one boy came to school in seventh grade and he had done his pants. He was a popular kid and his pants had ink on it. He, had, he They obviously left the pen in his pocket. And the kids were making fun of him. And I stopped him. I said, do you realize his mom was dying? And I said, he's taking care of his brothers and sisters. He did his own laundry. And they backed off. They didn't, they, you know, that was a different atmosphere. They were brought up a little different. They respected that. They didn't realize his mom was sick. And he, he took care of his sister. He, his sister was older. And then there was him. And then he had a little sister. He was doing all the laundry and all the cooking while she died of a brain tumor. And it was like so sad. But here he came in and he had these pants, but he had to wear them because he had nothing else. And, but those kids were different then. I mean, it was like they were closer. You were like family in small schools, you know, especially when you were at St. Stephen's. That was family. We took, you know, everybody took care. Yeah. And if you didn't have it, we made sure you did without making it out of it. That's absolutely true, right? I definitely, I always felt held and supported. Um, and, and even though, like, I, you know, I did feel a little bit like a, of an outsider. Of course, I'm going to be an outsider. I'm both... Indian and also not Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, right. But I also remember doing the best at all my religion classes, like better than all the other. I don't kids think there. some of the kids even worried about that because they did, you know, it was so un unreal. But the best one I ever had, I had a, um, a, a girl, um, Salushi. No, that's my name. That's me. That's her. <laughs> Shyla. She came in and she was Indian and um, the girl never wore a coat, but was never sick. She had a heavy sweater, but one day we were, we were sitting there and she was a different religion. I think it was Jade. And she said something that she never ate meat. And we let her, I said, wait a minute, we're going to stop here and we're going to listen to her because, you know, and she explained it. And those kids, I probably would have gotten fired if they'd ever known that, but, but she explained her religion and the kids respected her after that. Because they didn't understand why she had to have a special dinner or she brought her own lunch, which was unheard of because most of those kids died for that food there when they were making it every day. That food at that cafeteria was fantastic because it was all homemade. The pizza? The pizza? The brownies? Oh my God, I still dream about those brownies. Italian dunkers with the sauce. You come to school and she'd be baking that bread and it's like, oh, this is not nice. This is like, you can't sit here all day and smell this wonderful bread baking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the chicken and noodles you can't make at home like that, the apple crisp. Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy Joe's, yeah. But yeah, they yeah. could do that back then. Now you can't do that at all. So you have to make sure there's so much sugar. And I'm not saying they didn't watch that stuff, but they made homemade cookies. Oh, I remember those. I ate a lot of them. <laughs> it's it's interesting too, because it's like there was there's like a lot of hysteria about childhood nutrition, which some of it is absolutely well founded. Um, but I also remember like that food. It was, it was good. It was nutritious because it was homemade, right? Like it tasted good. Kids wanted to eat that. Oh, they loved that. Except for the lima beans at the state service. We could pour help. They <laughs> go try everything to hide those lima beans. Now I'm not big fond of them, but I can still see the kids, you know, they were just, they wanted to do with them. They tried hiding them in the meatloaf. Oh, the meatloaf. Also so good, man. I think also, you know, Kosha can correct me if, if, or, or, counterpoint me but I think for us coming to school and eating that lunch was first of all that was the first time we'd eaten anything like that 
because my mom didn't make that at home. You know, Indian food is like, there's rice and then there's lentils and then there's some vegetable and then there's like yogurt or whatever else. So you come to school and you're like, oh, we're having meatloaf today. (laughs) Like it was just, it was good. And it was so different than what we would get every night. And it was, it was also unifying, you know, like for everything that we look different and we, we weren't Catholic and all this stuff, but I remember, so I was a little on the heavy side in like that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade and our pediatrician was like, well, I'll write a note so you could just take um, lunch from home and you don't have to have the school lunch. And I was like, absolutely not. No, because I'm like, first of all, it's good. And I don't want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from home, but also like, I want to be part of that. That was, that was a structure a ritual that we did every single day that I was part of that class. And yeah, I didn't want to be different. I wanted to have the pizza, the square pizza and stuff like that. I can do that. I can understand that. So yes, ma'am. What would you, you know, looking back on your entire career, both as a teacher, but also as, (laughs) don't laugh when I say this, as sort of the sculptor of young minds. I can't laugh. What are are some of your favorite memories, not just about us, obviously, but like, what, what are the highlights? What are the highlights for you over your entire teaching career? Sometimes like when I do teach um, the lower grades to see them grow, that that's all I, that's the thing a teacher wants to see is that you come in in the fall and you see them, you know, struggling, they can't hold a pencil, especially, but I got to see my students go from grade um, three all the way to eighth grade because I picked up those classes and then you see them develop, you see them mature, you see what you try to do. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Sometimes you, you know, it's not ready. It's not happening until they get older. Maybe it'll never happen because we didn't have any of that kind of stuff back in the old days either, like special ed classes. You know, you worked with those kids and just seeing them grow, especially socially, that has to be. Oh, and then now I never, ever open up a newspaper that I don't look to see if some of my kids where they're at. And I'll send them notes. I mean, I've, I've, I went to. My friend and I, we started this deal. I said, this is what you do. When you see the honor roll, we sent letters to our kids up at um, at Northline saying, we're real proud of you because some of them come struggling. I remember one girl I had, they had her in in like the worst. She went down to second grade to get um, help. And I had her in third grade. She graduated valedictorian from Woodland. And I didn't do all that. But the thought that you were a process of that, possibly something to encourage and encourage, you know, um, that that's what that's what does it, you know, just seeing them succeed, all of them, and then you watch. But I love to look at the newspaper. I don't care about sports. That means you know me. I my son was a cheerleader, and I, Joey was a cheerleader. <laughs> Joey was, yeah, I, I remember yeah, that. And, he, and I mean that's wonderful. But I only went to the games because I envied women that you know I envied the, the moms that had daughters that cheered. Here I got a son there, and it was so cool. And that was something I didn't really miss out on because of Joe. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. But I didn't get to do all that stuff, but just watching them go through and actually coming to be, you know, young adults. And I always watch the paper, you know, once in a while you see one you feel bad about because you see it in the police beat, but that's, that happens. I mean, there's somewhere they took a turn, but that's, that's basically, I guess every teacher's dream, you know, to hit them away or to give them that encouragement. Sometimes they get put down so much, you know, you can't do it and turn around and just that constant, you know, reinforcement, reinforcement, positive. Back now, that's right now, 
and education. That's most of our vocabulary. Good job. Great job. You do it when we're back in the olden days. We didn't do that. We didn't think of doing that. To me, the person that struggled was the one my heart went out to. I mean, like I never had to worry about you. I didn't worry about the guy's key direction. Knew you're going to make it. You know, it's that one group that you, that you strive that you can make a difference just because it's telling you a different way. You know, another, let somebody else show them how they got the answer because it's not the same way you were doing it. I let a kid go for it. Show me, do it your way. Be right. Be happy about it. You don't have to go these 18 steps to get to, you know, remainder of two. But I, that's how we were taught to do it. That's how our parents were taught to do it. So yeah, that, and I hope just make a difference. I mean, that's, uh, I'm pretty proud of the kids go through it like you. I mean, when I see you guys, I think how proud I am. I always laugh when they come in and they, they, um, they evaluate you on what you got right in front of you, you know? And I said, listen, you know how many doctors I've taught? You don't know how many. <laughs> no, and I'm not bragging, but doggone it. You know, you're telling me on the fact that I wrote my lesson plan of the kids were going to tape the picture on the wall and I decided during my, my evaluation there wasn't going to be enough time because I actually looked at a clock and you took off for that ah but they'd be you on know, nitpick and I said that's the part that is kind of aggravating when you you've got the experience or you know and then you can't go it your own way I said I was going to script this but I go no I'm not going to sit here and be evaluated reading off of a script no no I flow with the I go with the flow by that time, some kid falls out of his seat, throws up. You know, yeah, I said something changed. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Like, this is it. After my evaluation, you don't go to the bathroom. You go before, you know. This is also not adult education where everyone's like, all right, we're here for a seminar and everyone's sitting down and like, who knows who's paying attention, but everyone is certainly going to sit in their seat until it's time for yeah, a break. I've been in right? many of those uh, teacher institutes where they've got their phone out. That's <laughs> your, yeah, aren't we all there now? Yeah, Absolutely. I asked this question, we ask this question every time, but this one feels particularly resonant right now um, because, because of the last two years, it's, it feels like, and I don't know if this is true, but it's also been true of nurses and it's been you know true. It's, we've had a nursing shortage for a lot of time. Teachers are leaving the field in droves. Uh -huh. I just, I just heard our whole program of one of our, the teachers are, they're done. They just, it, yeah. I'm so sad because they're all they're they've tried and they're, and they're they're of retirement age, but they're all leaving out this one whole section. And I'm thinking how sad it's totally frustrating because I mean, I'm watching another another lady leaving a, a, her job. She said, I can't take it anymore. You've tried everything. It's not anybody's fault. It's nothing you could have predicted. It's not there was no floor plan for any of this. It's just, you had to go by the seat of your pants and hope that you were going to make it with this. With the, look at me. I don't know how to zoom. I do not. But that would have, <laughs> that would have put me at ill at ease until I got used to it. And then, you know, all that stuff is frustrating. And we're seeing it now that they're back in the classrooms because the drill, I'm a drill and kill person as far as, far as that you drill it, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff doesn't, didn't get done because parents had to work. Parents, grandparents are watching them. Somebody's watching them. They're in their jobs. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. And, and then what you're held, you're accountable for their growth. And it's, but they've been backing off on that saying, we're not going to worry about this. Now we understand the state, you know, isn't going where you had to meet your goals or they were worried about you as a provider. That's their job. They, they should, if you're not doing something and enough of them aren't gaining their amounts, you know, what they're supposed to get, that's where there's a problem. But and it was so hard to, to stay up there and we were all doing it to a point where it was wonderful. And all of a sudden this comes along and what do you do? It's stressful. You're still, but you still have that in you as a teacher. I got to get it through to them. 
well, you don't have them face to face. You didn't have time to check their papers or they don't come in because they're out in the bin by the door with your name on it. Right. I can't even imagine what it was like to try and teach kids over Zoom because you just, you know, it was like, oh, you don't have to have your camera on. What is the, how would you even know what that child is doing? Yeah. Yeah. Or you can, or you sit there. One teacher said, I could see the lady tell the, the, the whoever's babysitting at this little girl doing a foreign slide it over. It, those things that you just can't, you're not, you're not geared for it. You know, they get frustrated because the kid is frustrated. And of course, what kid is actually going to sit there and yay, I'm here ready to have lesson. Yeah. After hours of that, you know what I mean? Well, not, you know, I don't know if, if every school had this, but our school definitely had it. Our district definitely had it, which is last year, last school year, they had three different sort of phases of things. First, everyone was remote. Then some people came back. Then a whole bunch of other people came back. And every time they changed that, it meant the entire schedule for the day was different or for the week. And socialization is not there. It's so sad. My, my, um, I'm so excited for Joel's second daughter got to have a real prom because that's something you look forward to all your life, a prom. Oh yeah. I mean, I, that is, that's true. My heart broke in, in 2020 and 2021 for all those high school seniors, like you are waiting for your whole life for that. second semester senior year. That is like, that is the best time of your young adult life, your young life, right? It's like, that is the culmination of everything you have done. Prom, senior spirit week, all the sports, like your, the sports, sports, yeah, all that stuff, right? It's so much, it's so much fun to not have that the two years before, obviously, um, the eighth graders usually do a DC trip. Those eighth graders get to go. My kid got to go. Fascinating. It was that one day that there was like a huge snowstorm, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Isha got to go and that was awesome, but a lot of kids didn't get to go. And that's something that you could look forward to. So basically the problem is just not, you know, it was, it's tough and it's going to be years before we catch up if this doesn't do something again. So if somebody is, is someone thinking about going into teaching, what would you tell them right now? It's, it's, you know, the main issue with teaching is for most of these people coming in right now is salary. You know, it's just, you don't punch a clock at three o'clock and go home. Not, I don't know anybody that a teacher is someone with a special devotion. I'm sorry. I know all places have that, but people that give up their nights to grade papers. And I'm not saying everybody does, but I mean, there's just that all that preparation that you don't get paid for. And, and you really have to have a heart for it. And you had to realize that you're going to put a lot of time in to become a teacher. So don't think about it. You know, when you're doing this, is this what I'm going to want to do? Because once the kids come like for women and you've got the family sitting at the table, the suppers, the ball games, the basketball games and all that, it's a lot of time. So it's a career that is going to take someone that's got the devotion and the love for the whole situation. We need everybody in the world. Don't get me wrong, but that's a profession that, you, you know, is going to take you a lot of your time, all your time, all your time. Well, and that's, you know, I think about there's different layers of, you know, work, right? When you work in the factory job, it's like when you're done, you're done. You cannot keep doing the work when you leave. And then I think about, you know, people who work corporate jobs, which is, yeah, the work can spill over into evening or weekends or whatever. So my husband works in corporate. He likes the work he does, but it's not a, he's not like, I love this company or I love my, like, it's not calling, right? 
for most jobs, it's very like that, which is like, I love what I do. I'm happy to work overtime when I need to, but I'm not called to do this work. And then there's like a handful of jobs, nursing, teaching, you know, stuff like that, where it's like the pay is shit garbage. (laughs) The people that you work with, I mean, the teachers, yeah, but like your students don't really appreciate what you're doing all the time. And from what I understand, parents now are getting way more like, why did you do that to teachers? You sit there and you have to make sure you document everything. You have to make sure how you handle it because it's not, you know, you got a grandma or something in there and it's a different story. But if you get the mom or the dad and you're seeing that, you know, it's, it's just the way people are, it's human nature. But the old people, you know, they were brought up that way. Respect. There it is. Okay, putting aside the fact that our parents saw that B was failing. But if we brought home a bad grade, they didn't turn around and look at the teacher and go, why did you give my kid a bad grade? It was looking at us and being like, why didn't you work hard enough to get this, you know, to get an A or why did you get a bad grade? Right. Except for mom and dad never gave me a hard time about getting a bad grade in art. They were always like, you did the best you could. Because you got you. We have dad as a dad. (laughs) I know. But now, you know, now it's like, not only you're trying to teach kids and they, you have all these like regulations and everything's all different. Right. Uh, But then you're also having to deal with these parents who are like, why did not my kid not get a good grade to which you're like, your kid didn't do the work. Yeah, exactly. Where is it? Well, I know there was one that came in and we were trying to, you try and try and try to tell them, you know, they're falling behind, they're falling behind. And pretty soon they'll say to you, well, what is your, what, what, why are you not doing anything about it? We've got them in classes. We have the people drill, you know, the aides helping them. What more can we do? They need it at home too. When you're in the car, just, I told this one guy, so when you're going down the road, throw out six times nine, just don't, don't be making it, but just constantly if you're having trouble in math, that's those timetables are going to nail you in math. Anyway, as soon as you get in the fourth grade, you're going to percentages and you're going into, you know, ratios and all that. Just throw those timetables out at them. They, they can't hurt you. You're in the car anyway, or you're just sitting there. Keep doing that. But everybody's busy. Everybody's working. Everyone is busy and everyone is working. And that's absolutely true. And I'm not going to disagree with that, but I don't know if you know, you may know our younger one is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed when he was two years old. And I know, I remember the preschool teacher was very nervous to tell me. And she's like, I think he, he, there's something going on with him. We're not sure. He's not socializing the way other two and a half, three-year-olds would. That's your first clue. And so I'm like, what do you think it is? Do you think it's autism or what do you think? And she's like, we don't know. He definitely has a speech, like a speech delay. He's not talking as much as the other two and a half, three-year-olds and he's not socializing as much. And so I was like, okay, thanks for telling me. And I went home and I like, did, you know, did the M chat and I was like, oh my God, he's totally on the spectrum. And we got a diagnosis and we started him on therapy right away on behavioral therapy right away. But every time he moves to a new grade or every time there's a new thing going on, there's always a little bit of a regression or always working on new things. And I, you know, I'm a hundred percent with the teachers on this, which is like, you tell me what you need me to do. Right. When you first get a class in, I will never look at their grades. I, I mean, I, when I was teaching, I would never look at their grades when they, they gave me the cues. Q and two photos. I did not want to know what they had before. I want made my own decisions, you know, and then I would see after a while, about two, three weeks, I could pick them out right away. I mean, it's obvious, but you don't, I don't want someone to say, you know, he has these grades here. I don't want that labels. I never looked at labels. I wasn't trained to do that. It didn't bother me. And then I would work my way up with them. And then I go back and see how close I came. And most of the time I pretty much nailed it. But I think, you know, what's 
just going looping back to the conversation about like parents like pushing back you know every time i talk to the to the you know the special ed team at his school they're always like you're so easy to work with and i was like why would i fight you first of all you're trained on this stuff i'm not i'm a mom i have i have my own special set of parent you know a role to play with him but it is not an education professional and you see him in this context every day. Now, if you want to talk to, if you want to try and like incorporate some home stuff, I'm the person to tell you about that. But if you need me to reinforce what you are trying to get him to do in the classroom, mm -hmm. why would I fight you on that? A, a lot of people like will, and I just don't understand. I think that. it's just their lack of knowledge. You know, you always want your kid to be the same. I mean, you get that where, okay, or you're comparing to brothers or sisters. And then I think it's just the lack of knowledge. I did not know Denny. I mean, I, I couldn't have no clues. And when I found out, as soon as I found out, I went right on it with him like you. But the question is, if someone had come to you, one of his teachers and been like, I think there's something going on with Denny. Let's talk about this. You would have been on board and not fought the teacher being like, no, my, my kid is perfect. Yeah. 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 You're the problem. I think there's something wrong with you. You wouldn't have done that. <laughs> right? So our last question is about familect. And we love this question because it's really, it talks about these shared stories, right? So even things like us talking about, you know, the, the links, the, the links. links. Yeah. So that's really what familect is all about is it's like dialect for small fam for just in smaller groups. Uh, can you give us some examples of your familect that, you know, words, phrases, terms that mean something to you in your little families? Well, I have a deal where um, I, I know I love the old Andy Griffith show and Barney Five was always a, a crazy, you know, a, kind of a fumbling idiot. So one of the things, my nickname for my grandson, which is, I always called him Barney. I don't know why, because there's Joe and he names his kid the same thing. Joseph, Joe, Joe, you know. So every time I would, he's grown up, I would hold him and I'd call him my little Barney, my Barney, Barney. Well, as he started, their track, their track runners, their basketball players, just small school, St. Patrick's, just like St. Stephen's in Washington, Illinois. Fantastic, you know, home life. We go every game we could go. So I always called him Barney. And here he is running in the state matches, running around, and instead of yelling, go, Joey, go, I'm up there yelling, go, Barney, go, Barney. And nobody, this one goes, who's she yelling at? But he looked up and grinned at me and keep right on running because he knew I was the only idiot grandma yelling Barney and not his name because everybody else, because I need five Joes on the team. Who do? We have B, who is, I'll tell you my uh, NIU story real quick. His name is, uh, his, I named him after George. So he is George Lewis, just like he is. But his is G-E-O-R-G-E -E, and mine is J-O-R-G-E. I thought that was pretty. And his middle name is Lewis like George. And I didn't change that. I was going to make it L-E-W-I-S just to be different. But anyway, I told him if it was a boy, he could call him. I'd name him George. I'm thinking there'd be no way we'd get a boy because his brothers didn't have any a girl. No way we'd get a girl. Sure enough, here comes number two out and there's George. So I go, okay, we're going to spell it like the J for Joseph, the J for George. I thought that was cool. Okay, so he goes to NIU and he's, he graduates. He's going across the stage and for some reason they call, they, now the guy that's reading his name is supposed to know him or at least there's a card with his name on it. Here comes my son across. We're all proud. George's sitting on the seat, you know, already puffed up. Jorge Cabe. Oh, <laughs> what the? It's Jorge Cave. That's Spanish. He's not Spanish. It is Spanish. There's Jorge, you know, and it's also Slovak, they told me. 
uh, your day in Slovak. Oh. I'm sitting there and I go, what? And I, my mouth dropped. I go, come on. Okay. So he graduates, Jorge Cabe. So he goes back for his master's. So I said, okay, this can't happen again. You know, we'll come here. We are with the, you know, all the relatives all sitting in the big auditorium at NIU, all waiting for the big moment. So he has the card over there. So he goes up to his advisor and he crosses out J-O-R-G-E. This is my son. And he wrote it, G-E-O-R-G-E. So here comes B's turn across the stage and he's walking across and they, they announced Lewis K. They forgot George. Oh, I said, well, why didn't you just stop and wait for the person? You got nothing to lose. I said, so your father can hear his name pronounced. You know, that's something. It's the only thing he's got named after him and they got him Lewis. My sister-in-law goes, who's Lewis? I go, that's his middle name. Oh, that's poor B. I love, I love Jorge Cave. First of all, it rolls off the tongue. We're, 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 we're stuck Irish for crying out loud. Yeah, I know, but it's so, it's so awesome. <laughs> well, it's like such, it's just a word, like cave is not even like Simpson or something. Like it's a word also. No, <laughs> he even knew when he went through, he crossed out the E and made a long mark over the A so they'd read his name right. If you're like, she went into the cave. You wouldn't say she went into the cave or <laughs> the cave. Like you would say, like you would read that as cave. Why wouldn't the person know that he supposedly knows who he is? To circle back to Miss Cassidy, this is one thing that I so remember that she ever said was when two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because she uses that like all the time. I've heard that so many times because people say my name is Kasha. It depends on who it is and how many times they've said Kasha. I usually will, you know, I will say no, it's Kosha, whatever. Oh yeah, I've gotten that my whole life. But I will sometimes say in second grade, I learned when two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking. Cave again is a word, and we learned about silent e's in second grade. <laughs> the, sneaky, the sneaky e that makes the other one. That's I know. And it was like, okay, all these times I was so disappointed. I mean, come on people. Second, he wouldn't go back because I'm not going back for my PhD. <laughs> I want him to just so I know what they say on stage. Yeah, I know. Like what, what's going to be <laughs> this gonna be next? I know. <laughs> I think he should just go in and like cross it out and be like, it's B E E just say B. <laughs> That's how people know me. Yeah. When I answer, when he answers the phone, it really blows my mind to hear him say, "Hello, this is jo- you've reached the number of George Cave." Your son Jorge Cave. I will. I need to. I need to like text him and be like, "I had a crush on you. I don't anymore because now all I can think of is Jorge Cave." Costa wants to know if you're available. <laughs> I have to say, we could sit here and talk know, all night. Been, I was so worried about this. This has been so much fun. It's just been so joyful. Like there's yeah. just all of this nostalgia and it was, it was so lovely to have this time with you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Obvious. Bye. Bye-bye.